and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. And if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I am so glad you could be here today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you share it with a friend? You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram where I share short devotionals as well as videos to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you are looking for some good resources for deepening your faith, just visit sitstillmydaughter.com where you will find blog posts, free Bible reading plans, and other helpful information. Be sure to sign up to receive the monthly newsletter so you will be the first to know what special events or updates will be taking place in the future. There is also a contact page on my website where you can submit questions or prayer requests. I would love to pray for you and help in any way I can. All of these links can be found in the show notes, so be sure to take a peek after the episode. Are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week? How does this proverb end? He that is slow to wrath is... The answer is of great understanding and found in Proverbs 14 verse 29. Our question for next week is, who was condemned by seven princes? Who was condemned by seven princes? And remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. For today... I want to share a few thoughts I learned as I explored the book of Ephesians. The first is found in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. For many of us, that phrase sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise is familiar, but I want to hone in on two things. When we trust Christ as our Savior, we are sealed or stamped, as the word translates. Some have said it is our security from Satan proof that we are no longer under his power. We have been sealed, and the picture that comes to mind is a stamp impressing onto hot wax to form a seal, like when a king pressed his ring into wax to seal a letter. But have you ever thought about the need for soft wax? An impression cannot be made if it's hard. There is a similarity here when it comes to our hearts. It has to be softened toward the gospel before the spirit can make an impression. The melted wax is ready to receive the stamp and our hearts had to be made ready to receive the gospel. Like the Philippian jailer who came to Paul and asked what he had to do to be saved, he had a moment of realization of readiness to receive the gospel. We are saved because we have accepted the truth that we are sinners worthy of death. But then we heard about the amazing love of God who sent his son to die on our behalf. And it has been said, and I know it is true, that it is God's love that softens our hearts, melting it like hot wax. Now our hearts are softened and open to receive the free gift of salvation along with the stamp, the seal from the Holy Spirit, which led us to this second part. We have been sealed with that Holy 
spirit of promise. Don't miss that word promise. It means a divine assurance of good, a pledge. Think about that for a moment. Enduring word pointed out that the Holy Spirit, who is currently with us at all times, is also our down payment of the coming glory. When I read that for the first time, I was taken back because I had never thought about that. We know the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. He's speaking when our hearts are so heavy that we can't utter a sound and also there to guide us in the way when we should go and to fill our mouths with words to say when we don't know what we should say as we seek to tell others of the good news. On top of all of that, he is our reminder of what is to come that I have an eternal home in heaven, that one day I will see the one who gave his life for me. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes my heart smile, my friends, and I hope it will give you a reason to rejoice right where you are. Now, my next thought is from chapter two, verses four and five. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Again, these verses are familiar, but have you ever paid attention to the term rich in mercy and dead in sins? The word rich means wealthy, abounding with, and the word mercy carries the idea of a kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted and is joined with a desire to help them. Now let that sink in for a moment. God is abounding with a desire to help those who are miserable and afflicted. He did not come to save the perfect or the elite. He came for all. And that includes those who are at their lowest point, who are broken, wounded, and in deep pain. He does not watch from above with just empathy but a desire to alleviate all suffering if we would only let him in. His heart abounds with this kindness so we can never, ever say he does not care. As the songwriter said so many years ago, does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song? When the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares. My friend, never forget just how much he cares and that he loved us when we were a wretched sinner with a heart full of rebellion toward him and his ways. When you feel alone and the weight of life's pressures pull you down, remember that God's heart is abounding in kindness toward us and he does care and he wants to help if only we would trust in him. Now I want to read from Ephesians 3 verses 11 and 12. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The word boldness means freedom in speaking. Basically, we have the freedom to express ourselves before God through prayer. Have you ever thought about that? Usually we think about prayer as a conversation, an opportunity for us to bring our requests before him, which is all true. But here Paul is relaying the freedom we have to fully express ourselves before God. Sometimes we are afraid to share our true feelings with God, but he wants us to come to him with an open heart. After all, he is the one who created it 
and knows how to heal every hurt and alleviate all fears. We just have to come before him. I would encourage you to go back through some of the prayers Moses had with God and you will read about a man who came boldly and freely spoke his mind and was never reprimanded. I pray that we will come to God with that freedom, knowing that we can express it all to him because he does want to hear about it all, not just the big things, but even the smallest detail, the smallest anxiety, the smallest worry. We never tire him out or weary him with our words. And then just a few verses down the chapter, we find our next thought, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And that is verse 17. The word dwell means to house permanently, to reside, inhabit. Jesus Christ is to permanently reside where? In our hearts, our innermost being. Our hearts were made to be a dwelling place for him, which may often be the reason we spend our lives searching for something to fill our hearts. It craves someone, and that someone is Jesus. He does not want to be just a visitor, but a permanent resident. And when we let him in, he will fill every longing and fulfill every need. But we have to open our hearts, stop running after the vain and empty things of this world and make room for him to have complete control. But there is more that comes with letting Jesus into your heart. Listen again to the last part of verse 17, as well as 18 and 19, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of God which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus is the source of love and when we are rooted or established stable firm and grounded which means to lay a basis for or the foundation we can begin to comprehend the love of God. A commentary stated that Paul is describing this love in measurable terms, something that mercy and grace are not. They are immeasurable, abounding, but God's love is meant to be grasped at least in a small way. There is a height, a depth, length, and breadth. It completely surrounds us on every side, encompasses us to the greatest depth, and extends as far as needed to reach us. This is just a small taste of his love for us. But until we let him into our hearts, we will never fully comprehend it. I am grateful that I made that decision to let him in. And I hope you have too. I pray that we don't stop there, but continue to pursue him more and more so that we may continue to learn more about him and the great love he has for us. Next, I want to read from Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. My focus is on verse 31 as we have talked about verse 32 before when we said be ye useful when we were referencing kindness. But here, Paul has compiled a pretty serious list of things that are to be put away from us. The phrase put away means to remove, to take away. Bitterness, which Aristotle surprisingly described as a resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. I thought that was very accurate, especially for someone who is not a believer. But wrath and anger have to go as well. Wrath being an outburst of the moment and anger describing someone with a violent passion. 
Clamor is someone who cries loud threatenings or is brawling while evil speaking is vilification, especially against God. None of these things belong in our heart, but as I meditated on this list, I began to consider the idea of a garden. What we plant will grow if we nurture it. A seed may land in the soil, but that does not always guarantee that it will sprout. But when we water it and fertilize it, guess what happens? A new plant will bloom. This made me stop and consider what am I watering and nurturing in my heart? When someone wrongs me, do I get angry or cry out loud threatenings? Do I speak evil against someone or even God when things don't go the way I planned? Do I nurture bitterness when someone says or does something to hurt me, whether intentionally or by accident? The seeds may fall, but it is up to me what I do with them. And if I'm walking in the spirit, I will toss them out along with all the other weeds that want to take up space in the garden of my heart. We must keep our eyes on the one who loves us and remember to follow his example in every area of our life. Let's be women who cultivate a heart that is growing all of the fruit of the spirit instead of the sinful behavior of the world. And one final thought for today comes from chapter six, verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is a familiar verse for many children raised in a Christian home, but I want to share a thought about obedience. No matter your age, an obedient heart has learned the value of surrender and submission. While this principle is best learned as a child, we can still learn to be obedient as adults. I wrote in my journal that obedience is a valuable position of the will, and what I meant was our will must be bent to follow the master, not ourselves, and that takes an obedient heart, one that has learned to surrender rights and submit to authority. We will never wholly follow Christ and let him guide our steps if we have a disobedient heart. I pray that each of us has learned the value of obedience. And that is where we will end today's episode. Have a wonderful day, my friends, and don't forget to make time for the quiet place where we can sit still and know that he is God. Thank you.